When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You're listening to the Voices of the Vic podcast with Ben Ayton and Mike Duffy. Yes, thank you for listening to Voices of the Vic podcast with me, uh, Mike Duffy, and as always, my co-host, Ben Aiton. Now, we're not actually alone on this one, ladies and gents. Uh, for the first time ever on Voices of the Vic, I'm pleased to announce that we're actually joined by ex-Watford defender, Paul Robinson. Paul, thank you very, very much for coming on. Um, how's lockdown treating you? It's been good, interesting. Um, second yeah. one, should we? Yeah, should we say as well? Not the first one again. Um, mm. No, it's been, it's been, um, it's been good. The fact is that I obviously I left Birmingham City when I was coaching their development. So after 24 years, I, I felt like I needed a break from the game because I've, I've really not had one. Um, that was my main reasonings. Really, was was for that time to spend with the family that I've not had time with. Um, my oldest was going to university, so. I've, I've not really seen him much throughout my career. Um, so it was important for me to spend that quality time with him before he went off and left the house. Simple as that. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, uh, obviously now I'm, I'm recharged. Uh, looking forward to getting back into the game um, at some point. Whenever that may be, I don't know. Because the way the football's going at the moment is crazy. Um, like, mm-hmm. like the rest of the world is. But I'm very optimistic. I'm very positive. I know that that chance will, will come again soon. But at the moment, yeah, I'm just enjoying family time. Yeah, well, like you say, you know, you played for so long, perhaps you didn't envisage having this much time with, with them, as, as good as it's probably been with the lockdown and everything. So it's been, a, it's been absolutely mental, as you say. But uh, talking to your, your, your Watford career, we'll get straight stuck into it. Uh, now, talk about a baptism of fire, right? If my memories, if my research has done me correct, you handed your debut by Kenny Jacket um, against no other than Luton Town. Now, it, you were a sub, it was a sub appearance quite early on, I believe, as well. Uh, and you were 17 at the time. Now, the fact that you grew up in uh, Garston, I believe, if that's correct, obviously a local boy, 
you're playing no other than Luton Town. How did that feel to come on as a 17-year-old against Luton Town? Yeah, um, unbelievable. I mean, <laughs> you just get flashbacks now, obviously. Um, I, I covered the game against Luton. So Watford, after yeah. 14 years, to the local derby game, um, to be involved in it and to be a part of it again was just special for me because obviously it was a, it was an eye-opener for when, like you say, I got my chance after two minutes. Dom Ludden got a hamstring injury. I didn't even have time to sort of get myself ready. It was bang, you're just going straight on. You turn to the bench. Robbo, literally, you haven't even got time to do a warm-up. You need to get on because Dom's pulled his hamstring. And I was like, you know, when you just look at your, your teammates who you grew up with through the youth team and you're, you're looking at them thinking, I just need some inspiration here, lads, what to do. And they, they just covered their faces thinking, good luck. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but no, I mean, what, what a game to come into, obviously. Local rivals, um, that wanting to get one over on them like you always do. Uh, and for me, at, at the age of 17, I, I sort of had no fear then. I was, mm. I, was, I was always the type of lad who just wanted a challenge all the time. I wanted to, to push myself. I wanted to, to live outside my comfort zone, as you say it. Um, and I wanted that challenge and I, I loved every minute of it. The following season, the 97-98 um, campaign, I think you made 25 appearances in all competition. Was you slightly disappointed not to play as many games that season? Or we've, we've, we've had a little bit of look into it. I think the change of formation happened that season as well. I think you went to 3-5-2 instead of 4-4-2. Do you reckon that probably stopped you from playing as much? No, not really, because I looked at it by... I was still a young lad. I was still learning the game. I was still developing... Um, Still a lot of growing up for me to do. And like I say, I was, I was in no better hands than Graham Taylor and Kenny Jacket. And Kenny Jacket, I grew up with through the academy. Um, and Graham Taylor, I mean, what, what, what a man. Um, he was my mentor. I looked up to him. He inspired me. He, he always pulled me to the side to, to have conversations about my game and me as a person and my family. And it was the best upbringing for me as, as, a, as not only as a person, but as a, a professional football player coming into the game. So I knew I had to be patient. I knew I had to to wait my turn because there were some excellent senior players in front of me and I had to I had to earn the right to get into the team. Yeah, I believe you got your first goal that season as well. Um, it was against Fulham in um, October 97. Now, you've just talked about obviously representing the your hometown team and working under Kenny Jackett and Graham Taylor. Look, you, your debut was amazing. How good did that first goal feel against Fulham? Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a great feeling, like you say, to, to play for your hometown team, um, to come on in a local rival derby against, like you say, one of the biggest games at, at Watford and Luton, um, and then to score your first goal, a senior goal, is just it's just an incredible feeling, and, and to do it with your hometown team is just even better. So, yeah, I mean, I think I was excited still two weeks later about just still <laughs> celebrating it, thinking I was going to go into every game and score a goal like that. <laughs> In, in the 98-99 season, you, you played more at Watford back-to-back um, -back promotions that season. Um, in a few, I think you've already touched on this briefly with the, working under Graham Taylor and Kenny Jackett, but in, in a few words, what was it like to play under uh, Graham Taylor? And you've been working with Hive Live lately and working with the club. Does this place still have the same ethos? It changes. Obviously, football's evolving now. And like you say, it's totally different to when Graham was in charge. Graham was a massive family man. He loved, he loved the players to involve with their families all the time, um, connect with the community. We always used to go out and about and connect with the community. So, yeah, I mean, times change. Owners have different visions. Managers have different views. Uh, they do things differently. So I understand football. I understand it works. But 
I, I would never change my roots. And, and that's what was always instilled with me in, uh, in Kenny, in Graham, Luther, John McDermott, Jimmy Gilligan, all the, all the great people that worked there and work, that I had the opportunity to work under. So like when I go back to Watford, I always see it as the Graham Taylor era. That's all I see it as. And it's going home. It's going to see my family. And that's what they were to me. Watford was my family. So every time I go back there, yeah, it's very emotional and it, it holds a special place in my heart because of, because of the fact is that I was born and bred around the corner from the ground and also I got the opportunity to play in the colours on the, on the famous turf. Yeah, now that, you know, you talk about playing under Graham Taylor and what a job he did, as we all remember, 98-99 season. Um, back-to-back promotions, we actually won Division 2 um, and then Division 1. Now, um, the semi-finals against your to-be future employees down the line against Birmingham City, I just want to ask now, obviously you picked up two yellows in the, the first leg, so meaning that you couldn't play the second leg. Firstly, did you watch the game at all or could you just not bear it? I was in the crowd, yeah. So oh, I, yeah. Went, oh, I went as one of the fans, yeah. So no one <laughs> knew that. I was in the, I was in the crowd um, cheering the lads on from there and what, a, what an incredible feeling. I mean, we all knew when you go to a place like St Andrews, uh, the hostile environment... Um, we knew the players that they had in the team and we had to be, we had to bring our A game. Simple as that. That was what yeah. it was all about. Obviously I was devastated with the two yellow cards and the referees obviously sort of looked at me because I was a young lad. I was still learning the game. Yeah. Shouldn't have dived in one of them and the other one maybe a little bit harsh, but that he was always going to give me that second yellow card. So yeah, I had to accept it. I had to take it on the chin. But for me, the most important thing was being there for the lads and, and celebrating and enjoying the occasion and supporting them. And being in that crowd was just, it was just an unbelievable, like the silence from, I've never known the St. Andrews crowd to be that silent when we went to penalties and the result, I mean, just, just topped it all off. The uh, Chambo was, he was just immense. The whole game, he kept us in it with, with vital saves. And then, when you call on someone to have that experience and that know-how of, of, of how to, to keep the penalties out, then Alec Chamberlain's your man. And yeah, it was just an incredible feeling. But then obviously we got to the final and someone like Nigel Gibbs, who I speak to all the time, and he played in the semi-final and did a fantastic job. And someone I look up to from, from such a young lad and being a defender, watching him growing and learning off him to, to sort of fight it out for that position in the final. It was just... It was just such a, a sad moment for him because he'd earned the right to play in the final with his performance yeah. in the semi-final. But obviously Graham went with me for the final, and and Nigel didn't even make the he didn't even make the bench, which was again. But Nigel, knowing Nigel, the man that he was, he was always there supporting us as um, as, as 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 players, getting right behind Graham, Kenny, and. I mean, you see his emotions on the, on the when he grabbed when he grabbed Graham at the end of the game and he hugged him and that's what it meant to us all because we were all a family and that's the way it was. We all we all celebrated together. We all lost together, um, and we all moved on together. And, and yeah, it was it was just an un- unbelievable year that one. Yeah, you think you went into a season as underdogs as well. I think that's Watford's done that a few times with getting promotion to a Premiership. We've, we've gone into a season as underdogs and the team spirits just glued you all together and you've managed to get through and what a fantastic performance that was at St Andrews and I, I wish I was in the away end but you were it must have been mental um, the scenes would have been incredible um, but yeah how did it feel to play in the playoff final in front of 70,000 people what was what was your nerves like did you have any nerves no I don't get nervous 
and that was the weird thing. Everyone like talks to me and says, you've played in front of like thousands of people. How do you get nervous? I, I block them out. I had a tendency to block, to sort of block noise out and just focus on my game. I knew, I knew when I was wrong, when I played bad, I, I understood that. I knew when like I had really good games, but I never knew to get above myself. I just needed to stay focused and leveled. So to walk out at the tw- with the Twin Towers, it was just an unbelievable occasion. I mean, and I knew in the tunnel we'd beat them because I looked across at their players and we'd done it throughout the season. We played them and we beat them because they were, they were the favourites to go up Bolton that year with their squad of players that they had. They were, they were down to just win the league by, by miles, but we weren't afraid of them teams. We always, we always performed against them teams just because of the fact is that they never knew what sort of team we would turn up with. And, but we always knew that when we, when we went out, we crossed that line. We were like lions. We had, we had 11, 15, 16, 17, 18 lions who were ready, ready to go out and, and win the game as much as we could. So Bolton couldn't deal with that on the day. They, they, never, they never dealt with the way that we played or the way that we come across in the tunnel. Just, just on a personal level, Robbo, with you obviously saying you don't get nerves and you block it out, there must have been some pride coming out of you, right? Because I've done some research, obviously, and it was only four years before that playoff final you captained your school team, didn't you, to in the yeah. under sixteens uh, English Schools Football Association's Cup final at Prenton Park. So to go from that to four years down the line playing at Wembley in front of seventy thousand people, that must yeah. have been absolutely incredible on a personal pride level for you and your yeah. family. Oh, on a personal level, it was. It, it's just what you dream of. I mean. From a young age, I wanted to be. I wanted to play football. That was my love. I loved. I loved the game. Um, I loved it for where I wanted to get to in my head, as my as me personally as a as a player. How far could I go? How far could I push myself? And I knew it was going to be tough. It's not easy. Professional football. People look at it saying, "Oh, it's a it's a it's a jolly up." It's, but for me, it's not like that. I I had to work hard. I had to earn everything that I, I got out of my career because of my hard work and my dedication to loving the job that I do. So yeah, to, to think of that captain, captain in your school team <laughs> in like a, a final where we drew and we had to share the cup um, to then stepping out at Vicarage Road and, and making my senior debut against your local rivals, you just pinch yourself. Yeah, it's just surreal moments that you have, yeah. Unbelievable. Ben? Um, so, <laughs> finally, it got to August the 7th, 1997. Um, Watford were at home to Wickham and you was a Premiership player at the age of 20. How did that feel? Again, amazing. Um, to, to get such, a, such an opportunity to play at such a young age in the highest division against world-class players. I mean, you had to pinch yourself sometimes that you were standing in the tunnel against players like Patrick Vieira, um, and people like that, Tony Adams. Do you know, it's just, you used to watch them on the telly growing up as a kid. So when you were like, when I was younger, you used to just watch them on the box thinking, my gosh, I, I love, I'd love to be where they're at and love what they're doing. And then the fact that you're standing next to these players week in, week out in the Premier League was just an incredible feeling. And and, and again, experience for me of learning and developing as a, as a player to where I wanted to be. But yeah, I mean, playing against Wickham in, in your first ever Premier League game was you just pinch yourself knowing that this is what it's all about and this is where Watford deserve to be because we've worked so hard to get here. You mentioned there, were you obviously as a young lad watching Vieira and next thing you know you sort of stood next to him in the tunnel. You, you say you're a long, young lad, you, you were 20 years old playing in the Premier League. 
And you, you were, we, we beat Liverpool famously that season, thanks to Mooney. And yeah. we beat um, Chelsea at home, I think Alan Smart scored. You yeah, played in both of those. Yeah. yeah. Um, you, you played in both of those. Now, how, firstly, you were a Premier League player at 20 years of age. And like you said, you were coming up against these big names. Not only, A, did it, how, how did it feel playing against these people? And B, to come out victorious on those two occasions when we would have been massive underdogs. That must have been unbelievable. Yeah, I t- I'll tell you like this. So, comparing to the Liverpool and Chelsea game, obviously the Chelsea game, I'll start with the Chelsea game because the Liverpool game's much more to me than it'll ever will be just because yeah. of the fact of where, where we won the game. Um, but the Chelsea game at home, obviously 2-1 with the players like Desailly, I mean, Zola, you just, you can name them off, you can reel them and we're expected to get hammered. We were expected to get hammered against them teams, but we had the fighting spirit. We had the togetherness of the same group of players, the same manager, the, the same beliefs of what we, what we wanted to achieve week in, week out. Yes, it was impossible with some games because we didn't have the money to go out and buy world-class players. Plus, Graham never believed in that. Graham believed in, he wanted players who wanted to play for Watford Football Club and he wanted them to fit into the family, the community. He wanted them to, to understand what Watford Football Club meant to them. So, it was hard for us to go out and, and find these players who wanted to play for the club and not just for the money. It was, it was hard then. But what we had was we had a togetherness. And the Chelsea game for us was obviously a fantastic feeling. But the one at Liverpool, oh my God, what, what an occasion. I mean, I've never, ever experienced it where you've gone to a place like Anfield, you're in the tunnel when you're looking at Robbie Fowler thinking, oh my God, please don't be on form today. I mean, Chris Day was in goal. Chris Day was in goal and he was unbelievable that day. Every, I think everything hit him from every part of his body, I think he saved the ball with. It was just one of those days where you felt it's going to go our way. Yeah. And to walk off that pitch knowing that you've won 1-0, to see your fans celebrating with so much joy and pride, but the fact that the Liverpool fans stood and clapped us while we walked that, back down that tunnel was just an unbelievable feeling that I'll never forget. That's incredible. Um, it was. It, it, my hair stood up on the back of my neck while I was walking down because I had to take it in. You, you don't go to places like Anfield and get results like that unless, do you know what I mean? They're special moments in your life. And when you look around at a kid at age of 20 and you've just beaten, oh my, I mean, Jamie Redknapp's <laughs> in midfield. You could name them all, Jamie. Like, just phenomenal. Uh, we got that result, Tommy Mooney bagging the, the winner and, just looking around and everyone's standing up. Liverpool fans clapping you as you're walking off. You, you had to clap them back because respect. You just had to respect them. And it was. It, we deserved to win the game. Even though Daisy pulled off loads of, loads of saves, we actually had, we created numerous opportunities ourselves to win the game by more. So your favourite result in the Watford shirt then, Robert? Oh, 100%. That's definitely up there. Just because of the whole, the whole day, the whole experience for me was just, Obviously, I've got so many fantastic memories, but yeah. to win there and in the Premier League in my first year as a Premier League player was just—it was just an unbelievable feeling. Yeah, I loved every minute of it. Would you say Anfield was probably the best stadium you played in, just because of that experience you had as well? Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. I mean, Newcastle again, another stadium where you go and fantastic. The fans, passionate. Um, I just love the way the stadium looks. Mm. Um, obviously, the old Highbury loved going yeah. there, but but yeah. When you go to Anfield, I mean, still, when I went with different teams to Anfield as well, I still had that special moment of playing for Watford. That's what it, that's what it meant. It was just that my, my first memories were 
I've won here with Watford 1-0, but I also got clapped off by the Liverpool fans because we played so well. Yeah. Talking of special moments, we're uh, jumping ahead a few years. Um, you were co-commentator uh, on the Watford-Leicester playoff game with John Marks. Yes, flipping hell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The scaffolding. Yeah. Well, I think you've just answered the question. How, if you can, how do you sum that up? Like, it's, I was there and I, I still can't sum it up to this day. I wouldn't have been able to co-commentate on it. Let's put it that way. I was more worried about health and safety rules. Like, <laughs> I, should, I should have had a harness while I was up there and that thing. I mean, when you've got someone like Derek Payne behind you, you know something's going to happen. And um, it, the whole thing just started shaking. I mean, to, to miss the penalty was one thing. But then to go down the other end and score like the winner with Troy, you just, oh my God, what's just happened in football? And then it just went mental. With the, like, the whole thing started shaking. I mean, I think it was me, Nick Wright, John Marks, Derek Payne up there. And we, we then had to look at ourselves and think, we've got to stop moving because we don't know yeah. what's going to happen. <laughs> but you see Troy jumping the fans, what it's all about. I mean, again, just the emotion of football, what it, what it brings... And, and then results are just, again, they're, 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 to be there and to experience that is just, again, it, it's just insane. And what a, what a day. What a day for Watford that was. You've not done too bad what's in a couple of matches then. You was in the away end for the St Andrews, um, Birmingham City second leg, and then you was in up, up scaffolding for the Troy Dean moment. <laughs> what is that? And, I, and I was on Hive Live when we beat Luton. So yeah, even better. Now we're talking, fellas. I'm, I keep telling them, I'm your lucky charm, but then obviously we lost to Barnsley. <laughs> But they wasn't at home, it was away. Yeah, less said about that one, the better, I think. Um, yeah, you, you've mentioned right at the start there, um, at, at the interview, Robbo, where you've, you feel recharged, you feel ready to sort yeah. of return. You've obviously done your coaching with Birmingham City uh, under 18s, was it? The under 18s? 23s and 18 I did for two years, yeah. Yeah, is that the next step for you then, management? Do you know what? I really love working with the, with the youngsters because of the fact is that I was one of them boys. So I know what it's like to have guidance. They need guidance. They need someone who understands the game, who knows the game, who's lived, who's lived the game. Um, and it's important that you pass on them right messages. Yes, one day, hopefully, I'd like to be involved with a first team, whether that's a first team coach, whether that possibly could be a manager at some point. I don't know. That's, that's in the future. I have aspirations of being a manager just because... It's something that I want to try and achieve and, and, ha and have a go at and say, do you know what, I give it my all. And sometimes it, you can go well, sometimes it can't. It's, it's just one of those things. So, yeah, I think further down the line, I'd, I'd like to have a go at being a manager at one point. But at the moment in time, it's, it's for me, it's about getting confidence and building, building my coaching knowledge up. And yes, I've done 23s and 18s football, but I really loved it. I love working with the kids. I love helping them develop. Um, and we've seen someone like Jude Bellingham go on to play for Borussia Dortmund and £25 million. And then, I mean, seeing him make his England debut last night was just incredible to see that the growth of the lad and the way that he's developed as a player is just anyone can do it. If, like you mm. say, anyone, any one of these kids who's watching Jude, they, if they believe in themselves and they believe that they're good enough to get to that, then why not? That, that, they've, they've got to work hard and they've got to do what Jude's done. And, and it's not been easy for him, but... He's, he's achieved it and he still will carry on to achieve that. So, yeah, that's a, it's a fantastic moment for me seeing him play for his, for his country at such a young age. But I want to see more. I don't think England produces more. That's, that's my big issue is that we bring all this influx of foreign players into the game. And, yes, they're exceptional to watch. And 
they are brilliant for teams to have them, but where's our English talent that we want to see coming through the academies and developing and playing for the first team footballs? Yeah. They've got there's there's loads of them out there, but are we brave enough in giving them their opportunity? That's another question that we've got to ask is we've got to develop these players to have the right mindsets and, and the right qualities to be able to go and play for our for our home teams. So yeah, I lo- I love working with both, but yeah, if, if I'm with a first team, then I, I get that to do that as well. Hopefully if there's young players coming through, then I get that to work with them and help them develop an understanding first team football. Yeah. It must have been brilliant bringing through someone like Jude Bellin and you, you, you've seen it, you must have seen it firsthand working very closely with him. Has, it, has he got it all? Has he got everything that a top player needs? Yeah, he has. But again, he's still 17. People yeah. forget he's still 17 years old. Um, he's still developing. He's still learning. He's going to have difficult times. 100% he's going to have times where it, the world, he's going to feel like the world's on top of him. And then that's when people are, he needs good people around him who are supporting him. And he has. His family's very well-grounded. They, they protect him very well. So that's always a great sign is that the family are well-grounded. Um, he's got people that he can turn to and talk to. Um, he knows that I'm always on the end of a phone if you ever want to chat. But again, it's about talking about everything, like day-to-day life. And sometimes you need to switch off from football because it's such an intense sport that all the publicity and, and all the media that he's getting at the moment can be too much um, for such a young kid. So he needs to bring brought down to earth and talk about just normal things. But Jude's just one of many. I mean... I've worked with players like Jack Wiltshire as well, who's, for me, when I played with Jack, he was one of the most talented young players I've ever seen. And injuries, unfortunately, prolonged that to try and get the best out of Jack. But I still believe that there's a, there's a fantastic player in Jack Wiltshire. And I'm, I'm just, I'm excited and I'm looking forward to his next stage because he deserves it. And I just hope the club takes a punt of him. And I'm, when I look at someone like Jack, I always think of Watford. Um, I just think he's Watford the right club for him championship football uh, get get them games under his belt where he's getting challenged again and is his ankle okay um, so yeah I look at people like that but no there's always I work with great number of, of young players at Birmingham City I was very lucky to, to work with um, numerous players who I believe that could play first team football Jude he was an exception he was always going to go that way just because of the, his mentality and his ability to develop in the right way but again, there's more players there like a Geraldo Badrami, um, Caelan Boyd-Munts, who's in and around the first team, Brian Burke, who's out alone at Yeovil. So these players have got fantastic ability. But again, it's about being given an opportunity by the manager of the football club. Yeah, nice. Well, sounds like uh, hopefully there'll be uh, more English talents to come through the ranks, wherever it may be. And uh, it's interesting that you mentioned about Jack Wilshere, because I'm pretty sure we were linked with him. So... Uh, be interesting to see if that comes up again in January. But um, we, we, we're going to finish the, the podcast with a few quick-fire questions. Now, uh, yep. I'll start it off. Obviously, you've said that the game at Anfield is probably your, your favourite one in Watford shirt. Um, turning to uh, sort of players now, who would you say the best player that you've played with in your time at Watford is? Um, I'd definitely say I had a real good relationship with Peter Kennedy down the left-hand side. Uh, I think me and him worked really well. We understood each other's games. We understood each other off the pitch because we had a few drinking sessions. So that was good as well. (laughs) Uh, Might not want to put that one in. (laughs) Um, But Richard Johnson, your typical mad Australian guy who just wanted to go around and kick a few people in midfield. But what? Mike, he could score some goals. Jeez. Um, 
and then working with Pagey, people like Robert Page at the back who developed my game and Nigel Gibbs I mentioned before. I mean, mm. what, what a guy to, to, to learn off. I mean, the 20 years at one football club shows his dedication, his desire to, to commit himself when he could have gone on and played for another club without a shadow of a doubt because of the mm. qualities that he brought. But no, Nigel, them, so them players for me, they, they were my inspirational players that I looked up to quite a bit around the training ground. Who's the best player you've played with over your, your, your whole career? Oh, God. Well, I touched on Jack Wiltshire there. Um, Jack Wiltshire was, was brilliant. Gary Cahill, another one. Kevin Davis, Kevin Phillips, Jonathan Greening. Um, they're my close mates, Jonathan Greening and Kev Phillips. I, I, spend, I spent a lot of time with them off the field at, at West Brom. Um, and then around the training ground was just great fun. And it was a great team spirit, a great, great team as well there that we had at West Brom at the time. And so I would say them, them players there that I've, that I've mentioned, yeah, would be ones that I would really look up to as in have had great careers and enjoyed playing the most of them, yeah. I'm surprised you've forgiven Phillips for uh, that penalty in the playoff final, Robert. Sometimes. I know, but hey, Kev's a Watford boy as well. Stephen is, is, lad. Yeah. Again, he, he was moved on to Sunderland from Watford. And I mean, what a career he had, foot me. Yeah, and Watford yeah. would have loved to have kept him for, for so many years. But when you see players like that and the, the rise, I mean, Kev was coming to the game later from Bulldog Town when Watford brought him. But mm. his rise to fame just flew by. And he was, he's a legend at Sunderland. And Watford, I mean, Watford appreciate his time that he spent there and the goals that he scored anyway. So, yeah, yeah. No, fantastic absolutely. player and, and a great man as well. Toughest opponent you faced? Roy Keane, absolute uh-huh. nutcase. Yeah. Um, wingers, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo, obviously, David Beckham. So the wingers I competed against, Damien Duff, Ian Robin, Joe Cole, just intelligent football players that you knew that you had to be on your game all the time. But again, when I wasn't on my game, it was just great learning for me because yeah. you don't get to play against them players all the time. And it was, it was, it was something that I'll always remember. And, cherish for the rest of my life that I had the opportunity to play against world-class players week in, week out. But yeah, they would be my toughest opponents. I mean, Gareth Ainsworth as well. I mean, not not a player that people look, look to, but when I played mm. against him, well, he was just nuts. And he just constantly was always on the go. And he was a nut, he was hard man as well. Proper hard man who always got stuck in. So yeah, they were, they were, they were the group of players that I would say would, would always challenge you throughout your career. You just named loads of, loads of wingers that you've came up against. <laughs> Yeah. What would you do to prepare yourself to play against some of them? Do you just put one on them early and hope they don't get back up? You used to, you, I used to think that in my head, but because they were so good, you, you couldn't. You had, to, you had to change your game. So you had to obviously defend a lot better. You had to work your feet a lot better. So I constantly was always trying to work on my defending, 1v1 in training, uh, body position. So I'd always be, and I always used to analyse them. So every, before every game, every wing I used to play against, I used to sit in front of an iPad for 30 odd minutes and I used to analyse the games that they'd played in and how, how would they change their game differently to how I could play against them. So yeah, for me, it was always about preparation and going into the games knowing that I wasn't going in cold. I was always sort of had an idea of, of how they were going to play. Yeah, well, no, that's brilliant. Well, thank you very, very, very much for, uh, for coming on the podcast. You're, like I say, the first guest we've had, so we, uh, we really, really do appreciate it. And, uh, yeah, I'm sure we're many Watford fans will echo us in um, in hopefully seeing you more often on Hive Live as you are as you said, you're a good luck charm this season. So uh 
I, I hope you run the next one against QPR. Is that is that going to be the case? No, no, I don't know when I'm on now. I'm waiting to find yeah. out. So well. I just get a call um, when they want me. But like you say, it's great that they're getting all these guests on. Steve Finn was on last week, cricketing legend. Yeah. You know, all some of the ex-players and, and current players. I just think it's great. It's great for the fans to see it because it's connecting with the fans, isn't it? I, Horrible times, everyone can't go in. We, we all want the fans to be watching the games live and being there because the atmosphere is fantastic. But I think it's fantastic what Watford are doing, bringing this hive live and the fans can connect with, with certain people through through the channel. Yeah, no, absolutely. Completely, completely agree. Well, yeah, thank you very much for uh, chatting to us today, Robbo. We really no worries, fellas. My pleasure. Thank you very much for having me on. No problem, no problem. Sports Social Podcast Network.